Well, good afternoon, church family. Here we find ourselves once again on Wednesday. Uh, it is May 19th of 2021, and we have the privilege of uh, hearing part two of God's word is the source of my life as we finish out Psalm 119, 153 to 160. And so let's begin our time in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you uh, that we can open up your word today. Uh, thank you for each one that is listening. And as they have taken the time to uh, glean from your word today, that you would use that to transform their minds so that they would think more lofty thoughts of you, that you would transform their hearts so that they would draw closer to you and enjoy uh, the fellowship uh, and the, uh, the love that you have for us that only can come from you. And so, Lord, I pray for each one of the church family today as they uh, spend these moments together uh, as we listen uh, to what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin by refreshing our memory as we listen to verses 153 to 160 once again. It says, Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust, because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. But today we finish out um, the, the second half, uh, verses 157 to 160 of, of uh, this section entitled Raish. Uh, uh, and I've entitled it, God's Word is the Source of My Life. Let's begin by looking at verse 157, where it says, Many are my per persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. Now, we know from last week and our time together looking at the first half of this section is that uh, the uh, psalmist said, look or consider my affliction and deliver me. And we talked about the fact that anyone who desires to live a godly life will be persecuted. And so, again, he is reiterating this uh, fact that many are my persecutors and my adversaries because he is living a godly life. But he also clarifies it here at, at the second part of verse 157. But I do not swerve from your testimonies. So even though there's those persecuting him, even though he has many adversaries, and what would uh, be the sinful fleshly response to all of that is just to give in and to deny God's word, to not believe the truth in relation to uh, who the psalmist is before God. But that's not what he does. He doesn't give in. He does not give up. Instead, he says, I do not swerve from your testimonies. And it reminded me of Proverbs 4.27, where it says, do not swerve to the right or to the left Turn your foot away from evil. And they began thinking about the fact is that, you know, he's saying that he doesn't swerve from God's testimony. So in other words, what he's saying is, is that he is fighting the fight. He is looking to finish the race. He is not allowing those that persecute him or those that are his adversaries to pull his attention away from what God has called him to do and what the word of God does in giving him life. And it made me think about the Apostle Paul 
And I'd like to, to take you on just a, a very short journey in relation to what the Apostle Paul said. And we know as we read the New Testament that he had many persecutors and many adversaries. But in Acts chapter 20, uh, I'd like to read verses 22 to 24 uh, to you and realize that this is approximately 56 A.D., uh, and this is the beginning of our journey here in relation to Paul. Uh, and it says there in verse 22, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. And so Paul is realizing, you know, because the Spirit is letting him know that this is what's going to be a part of your life. Imprisonment and afflictions await him. But notice what his response is in verse 24. He says, But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So here's Paul. He says, you know, in relation to his life, in relation to everything that he could possibly have, in relation to affliction, imprisonment, persecution, not knowing what's going to happen to him as he proceeds forward, knowing that the Spirit is constraining him uh, as he is on his way to Jerusalem. He says, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus. So in other words, I'm not swerving to the left or right. I'm not allowing the circumstances of the fact that I am now uh, desiring to live a godly life and knowing what that means in relation to an antagonistic world. He says, if only I may finish my course. Well, in the book of Philippians, uh, this is approximately 61 AD. So uh, we're looking at a, a few more years uh, forward in Paul's ministry. Listen to what he says in verses 12 to 14 in this letter to the church at Philippi. He says, now that I have, uh, not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. And verse 14, which every Olympian and every Olympian leader should know, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So what is Paul's response as he finds that he is pressing forward? He's not allowing what has happened to him behind as he looks at all of the affliction, all of the, the heartache, all of the, the physical beatings, all of the, the, the mental beatings of being one who has been given the glorious gospel of grace uh, through Jesus Christ. He says, I press on toward the goal. Uh, then in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, uh, and this is approximately a, a, a couple years later in 62 to 66, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He says, fight the good fight. Don't swerve from God's law. Do not swerve away from the glorious gospel good news. Instead, fight the fight and fight the good fight of faith. And then 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. And this is in 67 AD, and this is shortly before he's ready to die. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. 
Do you see how Paul has continued through from 56 AD to 67 AD? You know, that even though he's experienced all kinds of affliction, that he's been persecuted because of his faith in Jesus Christ, that he has many adversaries that used to be his, uh, uh, you know, his brothers, uh, fellow Pharisees, people that respected him, have now turned on him, that he was able to, right before his death, to say, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I have kept the faith. And I think that's what the psalmist is saying here in verse 157, that many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. Well, let's move on to verse 158. Because he says, I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commands. I look at the faithless with disgust. See, the psalmist's heart is sickened by those who are faithless, who do not keep God's word. Now, don't be you know, you know, fooled into thinking that the psalmist actually expects good behavior out of those who are faithless. But the fact is, is that when we look at the world through the lens of God's word, it should disgust us when we see those who do not live according to God's word. So ask yourself today, do those who openly rebel against God and his word, and his ways, and his ethic, and his morality, does it disgust you? It should. Listen to what Spurgeon said. He says, I was sorry to see such sinners. I was sick of them, disgusted with them. I could not endure them. I found no pleasure in them. They were a sad sight to me. However fine their clothing or witty their chattering, even when they were most mirthful, A sight of them made my heart heavy. I could not tolerate either them or their doings. See, just like the psalmist, when we see someone who is not living for the Lord, it should cause a a sense of disgust because it is robbing God of glory that he is due. Because everything that is done by those who are faithless is in a direct assault on the glory of God. And so it should disgust us when those who should be glorifying the creator have chosen not to. And then verses 159 and 160. After stating a very sober truth about those who do not keep God's commands, in verse 159 he says something beautiful. He says, consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. And here's that third uh, uh, reiteration of give me life. uh, Because God's word is the source of the psalmist's life. And for us today, it is the same. Because God's word shows us our need of a savior. It tells us everything pertaining to God. It tells us everything pertaining to living the Christian life. And if you remember back to verse 153 here in this same section, he said, look or consider my affliction, consider my persecution, consider what I'm going through as a uh, a believer uh, in God, one who does not forget God's law, but keeps his commands and does not swerve from his testimonies, but uh, keeps uh, focused on what the end goal is that he might finish the course. He says, consider how I love your word. Consider how I love your precepts. It reminded me of 
two beautiful verses in Psalm 139, where it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Because when the psalmist is calling on God to consider how he loves God's word, he's saying, Search me, God. See that uh, I, I, I love your word in such a way that it changes who I am. And I think it was something that gave um, uh, Edwin Orr, or J. Edwin Orr, the ability to write a beautiful song that I'm not sure we've sung uh, here at Ellington Baptist Church. Uh, and if we have, I, we need to sing it again because I don't remember. Is the song Cleanse Me. And it's based off of Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Listen to what um, he he penned here. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. I praise thee, Lord, for cleansing me from sin. Fulfill thy word and make me pure within. Fill me with fire where once I burned with shame. Grant my desire to magnify thy name. Lord, take my life and make it wholly thine. Fill my poor heart with thy great love divine. Take all my will, my passion, self, and pride. I now surrender, Lord, in me abide. What beautiful words uh, that were penned uh, by J. Edward Orr. As one like the psalmist who says, consider Lord, how I love your precepts. Search me and know my heart, Lord. Let your word fulfill within me that it would make me pure within. Take my life and make it wholly thine. See, those are the words of someone who has a true love for God because he is searching God out and he's saying, God, search me out. Let your word do its great work. Let your word be the source of my life. And finally, as he caps uh, out this, la- this section here in verse 160, he says, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. And see, after sharing that he has a, a love for God's precepts, calling on God to give him that life according to God's steadfast love, he says, God, your word in its entirety is complete. It's perfect. And it's applicable. Psalm 33:11 says, "The counsel of the Lord stands forever; the plans of His heart to all generations." And John 17:17 17, 17 says, "Sanctify them in the truth; Your word is truth." And see, this is one of the, the the beautiful things about the Word of God, and why, as I've studied Psalm 119 in depth these months together with you, uh, it has reaffirmed in my heart and in my mind the importance of God's word. And some may come to this study and think, well, you know what, we're just rehearsing some of the exact same things, just a few different words here and there. But see, that is someone who is not taking and looking deeply, someone who does not have a love for God's word. Because every nuance, every word, every jot, every tittle should have a profound effect on your life. Because God's word is the source of your very eternal life that you enjoy through Jesus Christ, which you would not be wise unto apart from the word of God itself. See, God's word can do something profound because it is truth. It is not a lie. 
And when we look at the culture, when we look at man himself, man's rules, his regulations, his ethics change throughout the ages. But as we take a look at the word of God in its entirety, it's perfect. It doesn't need to change. And not only is it perfect, it's applicable. So take the word of God, love it, see that as you uh, make it part of who you are each and every day, that as J. Edwin Orr said, fulfill thy word and make me pure within. Let your word do its great work in my life. Because man and his rules and his regulations and his ethics are going to fade away. But God's word in its perfection and its inapplicability will be forever. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Father, we thank you that your word is truly the source of our life. Because through your word that we find out that we are in the presence of holiness because you are the holy, holy, holy God of all. And that we are sinful men at best. And Lord, as we come into your presence, we are very quickly shown that apart from uh, someone being our advocate and our redeemer to take our place, to show us mercy, that we would still be dead in our trespasses and sins, receiving the just deserts of our rebellion against you, finding that penalty to be death and separation uh, and eternal damnation in hell forever. But you are a merciful God, and we are thankful for that. And we're thankful for your word, which does uh, fulfill its purpose. It does continue to make us pure within. And so, Lord, we ask that your word would sanctify us today, that your truth would transform us today, and that you would give us, like the psalmist, a love for your word so that we may appreciate just how blessed we are as those who belong to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you, church family. Uh, Have an awesome remainder of your week and uh, make plans to uh, join us this coming Sunday uh, for one of our two services, uh, as well as uh, Sunday school, uh, which uh, we're going through church history together as we remember the the cost of the word of God and and the truth that we enjoy and oftentimes take for granted uh, came with a, a price throughout the ages. And so, Uh, Join us this coming week. Uh, God bless you, and have a great day.